Welcome to Bleacher Blum, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now, the current master of banter for the Houston Astros television broadcast team, Blummer. <laughs> I'm not going to edit that out because <laughs> as soon as that countdown happens, we are going to open the bleachers. The gates are open and we get in there. No matter what shape we're in, we are going to take all. We are going to invite you in to have a seat with us and hang out. Uh, this should be one of the more interesting bleacher blums that we've had. We are grateful that you're here. And just to give you a little background of how this open is going so far is that Tuttle is getting his voice ready because he's going to carry this podcast. I'm going to put this all on his shoulders. I know that at least, what, the last two or three have been all over his back. And he has carried them beautifully. Uh, we continue to get a plenty of downloads. It feels like we've got a pretty consistent fan base going. And we do love you for downloading, subscribing, rating, reviewing, passing it on to your friends, enjoying the conversation. We've actually gotten some hits on Twitter with people getting back at us with some of the uh, banter that has been going on. So we greatly appreciate that. And we love the interaction. We appreciate you guys staying tuned to us and uh, keeping up. And out of that, we are going to have this podcast here on the uh, holiday uh, known as July 4th. And I got in last night around 3.30 in the morning. So pardon me if I have that morning voice. I've gotten my cup of Nespresso in me. That is the coffee of the morning. I did an Americano. And I'm hoping that that kicks in maybe around that portion of this podcast called What'll Tuttle Say? And Tuttle's already gotten off to an extremely good start to the day. And I don't know how you do this. I mean, it's not necessarily your off season, but the kids are on break. And as parents, I feel like we constantly try and find portions of the day where we can kind of evacuate a little bit or have a little bit of our own time. But Tuttle does it a little bit differently. He's a little more aggressive than I am as far as trying to find that time. Usually my, my idea of finding time for me is finding that one restroom in the house and I'll put the toilet seat down and just sit on top of the toilet seat and go through some Twitter feed, go through maybe some articles that I want to read and kind of hide out for a little bit until my wife finds me. And then I've got to come out and become a part of the family again. But uh, that being said, I want to bring Tuttle in because Tuttle's fired up. And what time did you wake up today, dude? Uh, 6 a.m., baby. 6. What the heck are you doing, man? Yeah, it's, it's, don't know it, we need to talk a little bit about this because as much as we're trying to get to know Tuttle a little bit, what we don't know about Tuttle or what I appreciate about Tuttle that nobody else knows about is the dude is an absolute animal inside the CrossFit gym. So give us some insight into why in the God's name you're waking up at 6 a.m. on the 4th of July. Well, a couple of things. First is, first off, I, I enjoy chatting, as you know, but the uh, I didn't fly in at 3.30 in the morning either. So, I mean, that helps a lot because if I got into bed at 3.30, I probably would not be uh, attacking the day the way that I do. But Wouldn't it be great if we got in it? Or the reason I got in at 3.30 a.m. is because I had this awesome night, hung out with my boys or my family and friends and got, you know, just drunk or can, as can be. And then, what? but no, I was on a plane flying back from Colorado. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's all right. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Your job, that's what it entails. So not every day is a great day in that regard. Getting in at 3.30 is hard, and the older you get, the more challenging it gets. But my schedule is pretty regular, and I uh, got up at 6 a.m. and hit the gym. I think uh, if I had played baseball maybe three or four more years, then maybe I wouldn't have the same uh, competitive nature, but maybe I would. I'm, I'm just trying to stay young. That's the whole goal. 
but uh, we got up early and got after it, and we got to get on a flight up to the Bay Area today, so maybe I'll feel like you do later on. But uh, yeah, feeling good. I think the uh, I haven't had my coffee yet. I'm gonna have coffee after this. It's the endorphins, baby. It's the endorphins. That's what it is. Dude, my endorphins don't pop until I, you know, kickstart them with some caffeine, bro. You're, it's amazing. So, but today is probably extra special. I know that a lot of what uh, CrossFit does is is kind of based around that military style of training a little bit. And we've already talked a lot about uh, how how you've actually done some things with that military aspect in mind. What exactly was your wad? Uh, the wad today was not as it wasn't hero based, which is your point. Yeah, I think we do a lot of military first responder uh, kind of respect workouts. But today they combined a bunch of workouts and uh, they tried to make it all inclusive. So I should have I should have flown you out here. You should have flown here from Colorado instead of home. But because uh, we did a team of three people and we started out with uh, like a thousand meters on the row, 50 thrusters, 30 pull ups, 100 burpees, 100 push ups. You know, double unders, heavy cleans, rope climbs. I could go on. I'll just bore you to death. It's, I know, this is the problem. People think that everyone that does CrossFit, we drink the Kool-Aid and then we're like psychos. But uh, for me, it's about staying young. I'm an old dad is the way I look at it. So I got to stay young. So I get a lot of, I get a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of satisfaction out of doing the workout as long as I can stay healthy and happy. And, uh, you know, that's all there is to it. I'm sure the people out there uh, don't necessarily want to hear about my fitness regimen, but uh, it's it's uh, it keeps me young. That's the bottom line. No, you'd be surprised. I know that a lot of people out there probably do get their workouts in, but it's kind of tough if you're actually, you know, running a nine to five type job or you're landing at three 30 in the morning to get the motivation to get up there and go get those workouts in. I try and do the best I can. And I think it's a combination of things. I love the fact that you actually brought up the point that, you know, for whatever reason, we are trying to fight father time and father time is just settled in on my boiler. And it, and it drives me nuts. So, I mean, I, you know, I'll try and get the cardio in. I won't take it to the extent that Tuttle does because I haven't found that CrossFit community that I really like. And besides that, my knees are awful. And uh, I would probably destroy those and probably have more surgeries. I would know more about my internal organs and joints if I did CrossFit than I probably care to know and more than I care to put upon my workout partners. So I'll just stick to my lowly, you know, uh, elliptical for a little bit get on the treadmill for a little bit but i try and keep the body moving and i love the fact that you you know i am trying to stay young because i'm still in that mentality of man i'm an ex-professional baseball player i've got to stay in shape i've got to do this but uh, it really is fighting father time because uh for whatever reason and maybe it is the competitive competitiveness too but uh I just enjoy feeling like I'm in decent shape. It has nothing to do with being on TV. So don't give me any of that junk like, oh, you're on TV. You're trying to look all cool and stuff like that. It has everything to do with the fact that my wife is gorgeous. I've got four beautiful young daughters that I'm trying to keep up with. And it's just, it, it's it's an internal thing for me. Because if it was the competitive competitiveness, I'd probably do more classes or boot camps or CrossFit t type things like that. But for me, it's just more the ability to be able to try and still be active and still have that body moving around a little bit, even though I wake up every morning with aches and pains. But at the same time, and you probably feel the same way, if I 
I always think about it. If I could just unplug the alcohol part of it, and I don't, I don't get drunk on a nightly basis. I enjoy beer, obviously, because I'm a St. Arnold, uh, quote unquote, ambassador, which just means I could drink to drink really good beer with some good people over there. But I like sharing beers with my friends. I've got a neighbor next door who brings over uh, some parish company brewing from Louisiana that's phenomenal. Uh, I know that Tuttle, you and I have shared plenty of beers. We'll probably share some at the end, uh, in the middle of July after the All-Star break when I come into Anaheim. Uh, but, you know, it's the libations that really get to me. So more or less working out to me is trying to stay young, trying to stay active, but also allowing me to be able to eat and drink what I want, man. You know what? That that's the ultimate thing, and and I think what what CrossFit has done, which is kind of weird, it has cut down my uh, drinking. I I got to put it in different buckets. But if I look at the workout and I know the workout's gonna kill me the next day, I'm like, you know, I can have like one beer maybe. If I have two or three beers, I'm either not getting up to do the workout or I'm worried about the you know the libations ending up on my shoes. <laughs> so uh, I mean that that's really the difference. The other thing that CrossFit is kind of funny, and you mentioned the boiler. I mean that's what we're all fighting over the age of forty. We're all fighting the uh, boiler. But the uh, the other thing is, I think everybody works out a little differently. Like my wife could care less. She she does like triathlete type stuff. She likes to swim and run, and but she'll put on headphones and go off and you know work out for an hour and a half by herself. As you can tell by the podcast, I'm a much more social uh, animal. And uh, I think being held accountable in the class is actually part of the, you know, part of the thing that, you know, that makes it enjoyable for me. But I also know that not everybody's into that. So when when you hear people that drink the Orange Theory or the CrossFit or the whatever next the next boot camp down the pipeline is Kool-Aid, just understand that, you know, I think everybody has a different personality and a different motivation. But to your point, I just want to stay young, healthy, happy as long as I can and uh Sometimes I feel like challenging myself to the nth degree is a is a way to do that, and being held accountable by those people is uh, certainly a good way to uh, a good way for me to stay on top of it. So that's how I started my holiday. That's that's a good way to start it. Actually, get that uh, momentum of your wad, which is the workout of the day. Get that going and. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a holiday break, and we got to appreciate uh, David Tuttle getting on this podcast right now because, like he said, he's getting on a plane going to Northern California to be with family and friends up there for this Fourth of July weekend, as opposed to myself, who is going to be hanging out for a little bit. I'm off this weekend. The Astros are playing the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who have gone through a, a, a lot of tragedy up there in Arlington, and they are going to come down here and play the Astros before they go to their all-star break. And so I'm on vacation. The way we plan it and the way that Todd Callis and I kind of work the schedule a little bit is, is that the ownership doesn't want us, and I'm sure fans don't want us to separate that much and have too much vacation time away from each other just because of the consistency and things like that, but it also hurts the schedule when you're trying to, you know, patchwork together a broadcast team, but they are, we are fortunate enough to get time off. And I think the funniest thing is that when I played baseball, I was expected to show up and play for 162 games straight, including spring training. But now that I'm on the broadcast side and it cracks me up and I take a lot of heat from this, from a lot of guys that I've, that I play with and that I still keep in touch with, because I will announce, you know, on a broadcast that maybe some of these guys are watching. I'm like, hey, I've got the next three days off going into the All-Star break. And they're, and I'll get these texts immediately. It'll say, wait, what? You get days off? So it is kind of comical to me that, uh, you know, 
I could work 162 games, although I'm grateful I don't have to work 162 games. But it's just funny being on the broadcast side now, they actually implore us to have days off throughout the course of the season so that we can, quote unquote, recharge. And it makes sense. It, it's great. And it's good to mix up the broadcast a little bit. I know fans like having Lance Berkman in the booth a little bit. I know they like having Jeff Bagwell. Uh, we've got a guy that Kevin Eschenfelder that fills in for Todd Callis. But for the next three days against the Angels, I will not be on the broadcast because I am starting my 4th of July relatively early, which is kind of funny. Uh, and speaking of days off, I can't remember the last time I had a 4th of July off, and Tuttle can speak to this a little bit too. I think the last time I actually had a 4th of July off was when I was in college because you go back to college and obviously school's out uh, You know, in the month of May, College World Series is over You know, in the end of June. So you'd eventually make it home for that 4th of July uh, events with the family and friends. But in the last 25 years that I've been involved with professional baseball, I don't think I've had a 4th of July off. And that was probably one of the funnier conversations I've had with my wife is that she gave me a call about a week ago and goes, hey, uh, we we have the that, that July 4th off, you know, the Independence Day. And she goes, what are we going to do? <laughs> because normally it would be we'd be at a ballpark. And then we watch the ball, ballpark fireworks and we'd go home and it'd just be another day. So now we actually get to celebrate a little bit and have some family and friends out there. But uh, it, it's always interesting on the 4th of July. Do you like the 4th of July, Tuttle? Well, I'm going to cover that topic a little bit and uh, what will Tuttle say. Uh, so I don't, I don't want to give that up. We'll, we'll get to that in a, in a second. Uh, I, it's okay. He's yeah, there you go. Uh, it's, it's, it's all right for me. I mean, I, I think I, you and I talked about this off air. I like fireworks when I'm lighting them, which I'm kind of over with the kids, but it's not great like laying in bed at 11 o'clock at night and your neighbor decides to go out in his backyard and blow up the blow up the world. <laughs> that's not that's not my ideal uh, 4th of July. So, you know, animals don't like it, right? The pets don't like it either, right? So, you know, our dog yeah. is, you know, we're boarding our dog, but I don't know about your dog. Does your dog like the 4th of July? No, she she freaks out and it, yeah. and it's a little bit tough, but she kind of goes more or less running around. She's just she's overly protective. Uh, I want you to go back in time. Do you remember when that first Fourth of July was there? An odd feeling when you stopped playing baseball and all of a sudden you had the summers off? Because I remember in 2012, you know, I got released. Man, when did I, I got released July 18th of 2012, and all there was still plenty of summer left, you know, and the girls weren't back in school, so it was kind of weird going from you know, all hell breaking loose for, you know, 15, 20 years. And all of a sudden we hit the brakes and I went home and I was like, holy cow, this is what summer's like. And uh, do, do you recall that first summer that you actually had off? And like, it's so weird how the routine over, you know, overtakes your life. And then it stops and you're like, wait, I can go barbecue. I can go hang out. I can go do this. Do you remember any of that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, and it took about three or four years, you know, you still have the, I mean, this isn't PTSD. We don't want to throw that in there, but you kind of have this like, I, you know, what? when it hit me first and not to bring it back to all the holidays was Easter because Easter is always during spring training. Yep. And I'm always like, I haven't been home for Easter. And you know, my mom's like, what are you guys doing for Easter? I'm like, you know, I was in spring training for nine or 10 years and you know, you were there for longer than that. But Easter is not even a holiday as far as our house was concerned, at least not one that I participated in. And then 4th of July, same thing. And as I already teased, you know, what will Tuttle say will cover some of that. But the the it definitely took a couple of years to be like, oh, my God, it's 4th of July. What, we're going to have hot dogs, beer? I can have beer? And I can start drinking at 9 in the morning? Like, normally you were, like, sleeping in. And then, 
a lot of times that was a day where you had to pitch even or you know being a starter at the time like four or five days rest it's like you were just if your day came up on that night it was kind of exciting especially being in double a triple a because the stadium was full they weren't there to watch you pitch they were there to watch the fireworks but ultimately it's kind of like hey there's like nine or ten thousand people here i get to pitch in front of instead of a thousand so it kind of made it exciting but uh yeah i i definitely had I don't know what you want to call it. Like PTSD is a little extreme, but withdrawals kind of like I felt guilty about having the day off and having a couple beers because to your point earlier, I still had friends that were playing, you know, and you just still felt like you were in, you know, involved in this. Like it's not really a holiday for, for guys that play ball on those days. You yeah. Know? And I, and it, wait, shoot, we could probably have an entire podcast about this, but I think baseball is different in the sense because you are playing a game literally every day that, you're, it's it was the routine. It was just the fact that you got on the hamster wheel on February fifteenth, going to spring training, and then you broke camp, and then you got on a different hamster wheel that had a different routine to it, and you just kept going over and over, spinning that circle. And when that circle stops, or you get off that hamster wheel, you kind of look around and you're like, "Hey, man, there's a whole other world going on out here." So it's it's kind of fun in that sense. And I know we keep teasing it. I know Tuttle's chomping at the bit to get to what'll Tuttle say so I'm not even going to give it any more time I'm just going to get right into it because we want you to enjoy your fourth of July and I know Tuttle's got some good topics for you and again we appreciate everybody getting on this podcast we appreciate everybody holding us accountable and getting us on this podcast so I want you to I want you to I want to remind yourself maybe I'll have to cut that out good grief I've got 330 brain right now uh remember you can follow David Tuttle on Twitter and Instagram at real David Tuttle. That is if Instagram's actually working. It seems to be just a big mess these days. But uh, on Twitter at real David Tuttle, he's got the Tuttle quote of the day. He's done a very good job at that. Some very good things he's pumping out there, encouraging everybody on their daily uh, routine of checking his Twitter account. And also you can reach me at Blummer27 on Twitter and Instagram. But without further ado, we are going to get into it. The meat of this podcast, and again, I told you this guy's going to carry it today because uh, I've got that 3.30 a.m. brain and Tuttle is ready to go. So here it is. What'll Tuttle say? Blummer. All right. We teased it enough. I got a couple topics today. Uh, like I said, we're trying to go a little shorter. It's a holiday today. We're not sure when the podcast will get out, but we're recording here on July 4th, uh, Independence Day. And the one holiday that we didn't discuss, we jumped right into uh, July 4th, was Bobby Bonilla Day, July 1st. We skipped a holiday, everybody. But uh, I think true sports fans know what Bobby Bonilla Day is and I remember when Bobby Bonilla signed this contract. That'll tell you how old I am. But I really love that ESPN every year and every uh, other news outlets bring up the fact that he's getting paid his $1.2 million. And uh, so this was kind of a, a question for you, and we, we teased it a little bit earlier. But uh, I just I, I think more players, and I think the real-world folks out there would love to – it's kind of like winning the lottery, but would love to hear about players that you know that deferred contracts and some of the things that uh, that go on with the contract negotiations because if you go talk to a financial planner they'll tell you hey like don't you know don't don't spend all your money you know have a rainy day fund and I think I, I don't remember the I should have looked it up I don't remember the uh, entirety of the contract but Bobby Bonilla got a you know 
25 or 30 or 40 million. All right, you got it. So, uh, so, so Jeff, share with me about Bobby Bonilla Day, the holiday in the locker room, and uh, what you know about these deferred contracts. Because Bobby Bonilla gets a birthday every year on July 1st, and we did skip that holiday. It's unbelievable, and I really wish that we had better production value because I'd have, instead of like fireworks going off in the background, we could just have that money machine just going cha-ching, 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 because this is this is the brilliance of being able to negotiate a contract. Um, you, we hear about backloading on contracts. We hear about front-loading on contracts. The NFL even does, they, they put a bulk of their money in the signing bonuses because the, the yearly contracts are so sketchy with them being able to release guys. So baseball is unique in the sense that they are just guaranteed contracts. There's nothing, you know, that says if you get hurt, we can pull the contract. They say, we are going to pay you this money. And then it's up to you and the team to negotiate how you get around uh, paying that and when you pay it. And, you know, there are deferred contracts where you get a little bit more on the back end or you get it when you're out of baseball. But the Bobby Bonilla situation is really interesting. And it's kind of a, it's a little bit of a history lesson because, if you remember, this contract is with the New York Mets. So every year, like Tuttle said, he gets one close to $1.2 million until 2035, I believe it is. And the reason this came about, and the, the ball club actually came to Bobby Bow and said, hey, I know we owe you a large chunk of money. Would you be interested in getting this paid out over the next 30, 40 years, whatever it was, 50, shoot, it feels like it's been 50 years since he signed that contract. But that being said, the reason they did that is because they didn't want to pay Bobby Bonilla all that money up front so they could invest it. So they said, we will pay you with interest over the next, you know, until the 2035. Do you know what they wanted to invest in and how bad a backfire this was? Bernie Madoff. I have no idea. I, Bernie, I have no idea. Bernie Madoff. Oh. So the money they took, you know, they, they held back from Bobby Bonilla went to Bernie Madoff and they ended up losing the money. So, I mean, this story is even deeper than we even thought. So it's a little, you know, Bernie Madoff, obviously, you know, running that scam of a hedge fund is now in jail, scammed a ton of money off of people up there in New York. But the benefactor was Bobby Bonilla and doing it, you know, 1.2 until 2035. So God bless Bobby Bonilla. We love Bobby Bonilla Day. I know a lot of people in Canada are probably a little pissed about it because July 1st is Canada Day. Uh, but it's, it's definitely Bobby Bonilla Day down here. And the only the most interesting contract deferral I have to tell you about is mine. So in 2006, a little known fact is that I, I agreed to a contract with the Tampa Bay Rays before I got traded. Now, I don't know if there's a, a day or there's a statute of limitations on tampering or anything like that. But there was an agreement, a contract before I got traded to Tampa. But I get traded to Tampa, but part of the agreement was, and I'll, in full disclosure, it was for $1.6 million. So at the time, there was revenue sharing, and the, the Tampa Bay Rays asked me, they go, hey, would you be willing to defer some of your money in your contract? First, I, I was like, huh? I'm making 1.6 and you want to defer my contract? You know, that's minimal money, even back in 2004 when I got traded. And I Correct. said, and I said, sure. So I got a base salary of a million dollars. I proceed to get released because that was the worst year of, of my baseball career because of that guy and I poor performance, mm -hmm. obviously. But I signed a professional contract, a guaranteed contract. With Come on, Blubber. Defer some of your money, please. We need you to defer some of your money. Oh, for Christ's sakes, could you defer some of the money so we could sign Damian Rolls? 
and Dewan Brazelton. I mean, it was like, who are we? Who are we deferring this money to sign? There wasn't even anybody to bring on that team. We were terrible. So that's that's even the that's probably the funniest part is it you know you figure if you defer money it's in order to enhance your roster but that was not the case it was in order to get the revenue sharing check to cover the other six hundred grand in my contract so I signed with the San Diego Padres I'm in spring training in 2005 and March 15th was that date where that where the payment could come out so it was kind of funny to be in spring training and sitting in middle in the middle of the clubhouse and I get this. You know, I get this official envelope from the FedEx guy and he like hand delivers it to me and I've got to sign off for it and say I received it. And everybody's kind of, wow, well, it's kind of a big deal. I said, oh, yeah, I just got my uh, the other half of my contract from the Tampa Bay Rays. And the funny part is, is that one check that I got on March 15th was greater than my entire guaranteed contract with the San Diego Padres. Well, there you go. And you just gave it to your wife and never saw it again. Yeah, and then I put it into 529s because I knew she was pregnant with triplets at the time, and here we are. I'm just saving money like a madman. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good story, and it, it is funny that they asked you to defer. Who knows what that was all about? So I did look up some of the Bobby Bonilla stuff. I wasn't sure how deep we'd get into it, but uh, he hasn't played in the major league since 2001, but he's going to be getting the 1.19 till he's 72 years old. Come on. And that's smart, though. Your dad always tells you to save money, your parents, your money your money managers, your advisors. I see uh, Max Scherzer just signed that seven-year, $210 million contract. He deferred 105 of it, so he's deferred half of it. Like some of these guys are being smart about it. And for the listener, I know these numbers get out of whack, and we've talked about this before. I mean, this is, this is the environment that these guys play in. But, uh, you know, I mean, you got to save your money. So you got to put in a 401k. You got to do what you got to do. But more guys are getting, uh, I believe, a little smarter with their money. And I, I think it's impressive. But the fact that Bobby Bonilla Day is uh, preceding Independence Day is, uh, is a good thing. And, uh, and we should, you know, tip our hat to him. I think he batted. 170 or something is last year in the big league so well how I mean, is there anything more american than getting 1.2 million dollars a year and not working for it <laughs> happy birthday america it's independence day here's 1.2 million no that's true i mean right isn't that what they say if you game the system i mean he didn't even game the system but uh, he's 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 doing very well for himself the funny the other little tag to this is every year they show the same old picture they haven't really talked to him be interesting to see him interviewed they show this picture of a smiling bobby bonilla he has a charming smile but it's like the picture's 20 years old like i don't you know we don't really know if he's happy but as you said getting 1.19 million dollars every year till you're 72 would make me smile so no i actually see bobby bonilla every once in a while because he does still work for the players union so i think the last time i saw him was down in mexico so he does a lot of stuff with the union uh, he's still around, but uh, that smile is all of Bobby Bonilla. You and I remember watching him play, and I know a lot of uh, other people who watched him play with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, eventually with the uh, with the uh, New York Mets, obviously. But uh, that, he, he was infectious, man. He still is to this day. He's still an affable guy. You can have a conversation with him. But uh, you know that smile, there's 1.2 million reasons why that smile is so big. Yeah, every 365 days he can smile. But no, I heard he's a really affable guy. And uh, yeah, I remember him playing with Pittsburgh. He and Bonds were in the same lineup. That was a pretty formidable lineup just after uh, Stargell and Dave Parker, right? When the Pirates are making a swing here. <laughs> Got to go back there. I'm older than you are. All right, uh, next topic for, uh, for what'll Tuttle say. We've teased the heck out of this one. Uh, you asked me about the uh, firework withdrawals from or 4th of July withdrawals when baseball got done with. 
but uh, kind of a downer. I'm going to rain on people's parade today. I'm over fireworks. I'm done with it. I mean, that's really what it, that's really what it's about. You asked me about fireworks earlier and I know you're going to, in Houston, you're allowed to light fireworks. California, most of the cities out here, you're not allowed to have any personal fireworks at all. I mean, we live in a fire zone and nobody's allowed to have any fun. But uh, my neighbors will pull out some M80s every once in a while and scare the heck out of everybody. But uh, I think I think baseball kind of baseball kind of ruined me for fireworks shows because, as you already uh, alluded to earlier, every year. I mean, you have the day off today, but every year. So ten years of minor league baseball or professional baseball, you either had fireworks on the Fourth of July at your home stadium, or if you are lucky enough to be on a road trip. You'd have them 4th of July there, but the other stadium, your home stadium, your home city, was like, well, we don't want to be left out in this firework thing. So fireworks are going to be on July 7th when we come back to Chattanooga because you guys were in Birmingham for the fireworks show. So you're in Birmingham, July 4th, they have their fireworks show. You have another game on the 5th. You travel back home and you have a game on the 6th or the 7th. And guess what? That next weekend, you have fireworks at that stadium. And my, after four or five years of this, I remember going, oh man, it's firework night. All right, quick, get in the showers, get out of here, kill the spread and get out of the stadium as quick as you can. You know, you know, early on, like your first few years, you might be dating somebody. You're like, hey, come out to the fireworks show, come down on the field, we'll watch the fireworks. And you know, that went about two years. And after that, I think after 150 shows, fireworks shows, I mean, you'll enlighten me, I'm sure, but I mean, Fireworks aren't just for Independence Day. I mean, the Angels have it when guys hit home runs. So you have fireworks on 4th of July. You might have another special fireworks show some other time during the year. When you go on a road trip, you get fireworks there. You're looking at about four or five fireworks shows. Maybe opening day, they'll have fireworks, you know, one night at the stadium. You're looking at about four or five fireworks shows a year. You add that up, it's like they're starting to look kind of the same to me. So I... uh I I probably should let my kids enjoy fireworks more, but this guy right here does not enjoy fireworks. I'm kind of over it, so <laughs> boo-hoo. <laughs> Debbie Downer on the, on the podcast, David Tuttle. I had no idea there was this deep down just disdain for, for fireworks. But, you know, we talked about being American and making money on, on not working, and then there's there's another very American thing, just blowing shit up in <laughs> a fire in the air. Um, but so true, but, uh, I don't think we're going to take it to the extent, uh, you know, that, you know, that maybe, you know, Washington DC is going to take it to today, but you know, it, it does become, it, it's more of an evacuation plan now for, for us. And that's what Tuttle's talking about. So in Houston, every home game is Friday night fireworks. And I know that there's one night a week where I won't hang around the booth. What do you got? No, every Friday night. I was saying like four or five times a year. So that I knew I was, I knew I hit the, I hit the nail on the head with that one. So every Friday night, like get out of here. <laughs> I can't, I can't squeal tires out of the stadium fast. Well, and that's what it is for me. On usually, I'll I'll linger after the broadcast and kind of hang out with TK, decompose a little bit, and listen to some of the post game interviews. But TK knows every home Friday night game that we are working together. He will. We'll go to commercial break and 
and they'll usually come back and he'll close out the uh, broadcast and send it to the post game. But I mean, dude, I'm packing up two outs in the bottom of the ninth or the, you know, the top of the ninth, if the Astros are winning, dude, the only thing that's on my desk is my computer because miles shut my computer and throw it in my bag. And then it's the great escape. I'm out. And TK knows it too. So as soon as we go to commercial break, we're giving each other knuckles and I'm gone. Because as soon as that roof starts to open at Minute Maid Park to get ready for fireworks, I am in my car and I'm like Batman in the night. Phew, he's gone. And and but I do miss taking my family on the on the field. And you know the fireworks, you know you do you do feel like it's uh you know Groundhog Day when you start to see all these fireworks. But the only thing I get a kick out of is watching the kids. Obviously, my kids loved getting on the field, running around it, watching the fireworks. You know, made for some good photo ops. Uh, but, but the, the 4th of July for me has kind of come back a little bit as far as being able to have the off day and be with the family this time. And, uh, you know, a couple of times in the past is, you know, here in Texas, like Tuttle's talking about, I didn't realize until maybe last year that we could roll over to the, uh, old school fireworks stand and they, you roll up and they say, Hey, buy one, get one free. And I'm like, where's your biggest box? You know, how many, what box has the biggest amount of fireworks in it? So I've got two fifty. 50 rocket, you know, boxes waiting to be lit. I've got like four more 20 rocket, you know, boxes ready to be lit. I've got these things called ladybugs that just absolutely blow up and spin in circles for about a half an hour, it feels like. And uh, we let the kids get after it. So that's our fireworks uh, sensation. But to your point, fireworks for me at the baseball field has definitely turned into an opportunity to beat some of the traffic getting out of there. I will tell you, I'm going to be watching the broadcast with, uh, a lot more scrutiny, especially on Friday nights. Now I'm going to watch the, the, the post game kind of, cause I'll watch TK. Like he'll be like, all right, everybody, that's a, that's a wrap. We're out of here. Just going to, I'm going to check you guys out. No dude, seriously. Like after that third out, he won't even like throw it to me. He just goes, and that's the final out. The Astros win six to two against whoever it is we're playing today. <laughs> and you won't hear a word from me. We'll go to commercial break. We'll come back and they're like, and the Astros closed out the season series or the first game of the series against the, you know, Joe Bag of Donuts uh, Mariners. And we're going to go to the postgame. And you won't hear me after that third out call. Yeah, I'm he gone. And it sounds like he's pretty uh, succinct as well. So I'll have to, I'm going to watch that, how quickly he gets out of there. But uh, yeah, I think, I, I think you, you were able to kind of split the difference too. Now, obviously in California, it's illegal to have fireworks. So, you know, bringing it back to the kids is different, but you're a Houstonian. You've been in Houston now for two years and it's kind of like, all right, well, if you could go down to the, the fireworks stand and go out in the front yard and blow up stuff, I think, well, now I'd be a little more interested. Or you get your whole neighborhood out there or is it in the backyard? Like you can just do it locally. You don't have to go anywhere, right? No, literally, I, I'd go out in the middle of the street in the front yard. Uh, we're actually going to have a couple of neighbors over this time, but there's a huge field, like a communal space behind the house, like a street over that we could actually go to and do things like that. But you'd be amazed because the entire like neighborhood, as much as, you know, everybody's like, oh my gosh, plumbers lighting off fireworks. Dude, the entire neighborhood's going off. It's not just us, man. I mean, it, there are fireworks like starting at probably whatever time the sun goes down at, you know, eight or nine o'clock here tonight you're going to start hearing pop, 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 and it's going to start going nuts. So yeah, it's going to be game on for a very long time tonight. That's the other thing. There should be a curfew. Then I'm an old grouchy man here. Like at 1130, I do not like to be awakened by somebody going, you know what? I'm going to do the last firework of the night. And then boom, you're like, I don't need that either. So yeah, I guess I'm grouchy old man about the fireworks. I'm so sorry. 
It's all good, man. It's all good. It's good to have those opinions. That's why we love being on Bleacher Blums. Uh, Tuttle usually are very funny about it, but today a little more cynical, man. I like it, dude. Uh, maybe that workout really got you locked in and got that uh, testosterone rage going for you a little bit against the uh, fireworks. But uh, is that what you got for what'll Tuttle say, man? That's it for what'll Tuttle say. Awesome. Always good. We're rolling along. We're actually doing pretty good. Uh, I got to admit that uh, getting in at 3.30 a.m., uh, waking up just real quickly at like 10 o'clock and uh, re-engaging with the family. But talking to you has kind of got me fired up a little bit. I'm enjoying this. And I, to be brutally honest, Normally, I try and do a, a relatively good job of preparing myself for this podcast because Tuttle always gets prepared and I got to be ready for the banter. But uh, this time around is a little bit different. I came a little more unprepared, but there's some ideas that have popped into my head. And uh, Blum and Blummer. Huh. I expected the Rocky Mountains to be a little rockier than this. I was thinking the same thing. That's Jeff Blum's. Full of shit, man is going to come at you right now. So we'll get a little Blum and Blummer on, maybe finish this podcast off with a couple of topics that I've got. And one of the first ones I want to talk about, and I want to get Tuttle's opinion on this because you have been watching a little more baseball over the last couple of years that we've started to do this podcast and uh, maybe engaged a little bit, but the home run numbers are up in Major League Baseball. So hold on to that idea of the home run. I know you being a pitcher, you hate him anyways, but being a fan of baseball and also myself being a fan of baseball now and watching a lot of baseball, I, I have concerns about the home run. And in those concerns, I actually checked out a couple of articles. One of them was on The Athletic, and there was a great article by an astrophysicist. And I also heard her interview on Baseball Tonight podcast. Her name's Dr. Meredith Wills. And I know that The Athletic is a paid website, but uh, it's worth the money. They've got great writers and they always have great articles. But with the amount of home runs that are going out, there are different swing paths for hitters. They're trying to launch angle this. They're trying to exit velocity that. So they're trying to swing harder and hit the ball out uh, three times every at-bat. There's no more two-strike approach. These guys are launch mode. How many home runs can I, can I hit? It's like hitting, you know, shooting three-pointers in the NBA. So that being said, I read this article and I listened to the podcast and I was fascinated because everybody has been talking about the baseball. It's changed and it's true. And there's a lot of evidence in this article. So just a couple of things. I don't want to get too in-depth and get too analytical on you because I know that freaks people out. But there are maybe five things that have changed about the baseball in the last year. It is smaller. So there, it's wound tighter and it's a smaller baseball. The seam height, I know this will drive Tuttle nuts, is lower. So it makes the baseball more aerodynamic. The leather that covers the baseball is actually smoother. So there's greater spherical symmetry, which means a rounder baseball. And how about the center core of the baseball is more centered. So it's in the center of the baseball. It's not lopsided, so it's not going to create a wobble when it gets off the bat. So those five things right there, have there's actual physical evidence that the baseball, basically, they've perfected it. The science of making a baseball has been perfected, and this is the perfect baseball, so to speak. And that's why it's traveling farther. But it's amazing to me that they would be that Major League Baseball would sacrifice the seam height to benefit the hitter a little bit. I know that we still see guys that are able to pitch with it, but there had to be some major adjustments to it. So, Tuttle, how do you feel about knowing that the baseball is actually different, and how do you feel about the number of home runs that are going out of the ballpark in Major League Baseball right now? Pro V1 baseballs. That's what we're. That's what we get, right? It's like Titleist Pro V1 baseball. 
No, you know what? Thank goodness for Tuttle, because that's exactly right. That you know, all of these, all of the science that goes into making your drive go straighter and farther is now in baseball, and they have perfected the baseball to travel farther. Yeah, so I, I have a few opinions. I, I'm kind of a purist when it comes to that, and you already brought up the basketball fact, but I think we brought this up a couple of podcasts ago, right? The dynamic has changed, right? Joey Gallo, which I mentioned two or three podcasts ago, is like the prototypical baseball player now, right? No two-strike approach. His walks are up. Like when he first hit, hit the league, right, he was hitting like 190 with a ton of home runs. Now he's hitting about 270, and he – walks a little more and hits home runs at a at an, uh, a higher rate than he hits singles. So that's your, your prototypical uh, baseball player. We talked about Steph Curry and the threes worth more than the two. We've done this before. Now that you add the baseball in there, it's a really interesting thing. And as I said, I'm kind of a purist in that when they got rid of steroids or got rid of most of the guys doing steroids, performance-enhancing drugs, they – got back to you know uh having the batting order be the way it should be you got first and second hitters in the lineup or you're you know bunting kind of scrappy go the other way steal base guys they focus more on defense you got your center fielder your left fielder these guys could play defense you know you went back to you're never gonna have a mark belanger again you know hitting 195 and never making an error but uh but you know you you, you definitely had that's right you definitely had a shift back to, in my opinion, after the steroid era to kind of the core pure baseball kind of thing. And now you have those type of players and you bring up this baseball fact. I, I, the first person that came, came into mind was Tom Brady. So Tom Brady likes to throw a football. He likes the seam a certain way. He likes it inflated a certain way. And he had the Patriots do that. And apparently, I guess they either did it in the middle of the game or these guys forgot what they were doing, but he, he got railroaded into a four-game suspension because he was making the football the way he liked it. Um, this is probably, you know, not the same, but it would be interesting. I mean, I, I, I knew some guys that scuffed baseballs. I used to play with the seams. You know, you rub up all the balls before the game. I like to edge the seams so you can get a nice high seam on there. But – it almost seems like they could do all this stuff, make the core centered, the ball maybe a little tighter, uh, the leather could be smoother, but keep the seams the way they are. And that way, you, you know, you're, you're, um, you're giving the pitcher some sort of uh, way to grip the baseball because you don't want it so slick and so smooth and no seams. Then those guys are throwing 95 and you wonder why they lose a couple of pitches more often. I guess the question I have back for you with the Tom Brady uh, comparison is, did they ask the pitchers for their insight? Did they say, hey, we're going to make a bunch of changes before the season starts? Or did they just roll the balls out on the field? The umpire said, play ball and threw him the ball. And the guy goes, oh, my God, this baseball is completely different than the one I threw last year. Yeah, no, they're not going to ask the players about that because Major League Baseball is autonomous. They're going to go out there and make those unilateral decisions to uh, whatever they feel is uh, going to be the part of their game and so to that point i was going i found out something fascinating in this article that may shock a lot of people because it kind of caught me off guard major league baseball okay wait rawlings makes the major league baseball they've been making it for decades guess who now owns rawlings baseball company did you just let the cat out of the bag does major league baseball own rawlings yeah, they bought them last year. 
and now the baseball is perfect and it's flying out of the ballpark. That was so that was right really well on. publicized too, you know, right next to the merger of other companies, right? Like AT and T, Fox. They said, yeah, Major League <laughs> Baseball has now acquired Rawlings. I don't think anybody ever, like, where where's the headline for that? Yeah, that's why it caught me off guard. I was like, wow, the baseball is different. They're making all these adjustments. Ball's flying out of the ballpark. Oh, by the way, uh, Major League Baseball owns Rawlings that makes the baseballs that are now perfectly round and flying out of the ballpark. So a lot of fun to talk about that. That caught me off guard. What about what are guys like Verlander, Cole, like Max Scherzer? These guys are still the, you know, I, I said this about steroids before, too. The best players are still the best players. I mean, so... Yeah. The ball affects every pitcher in the league. Scherzer's punching out guys at an exorbitant rate, like four or five starts where he's got 10 punch outs plus. Um, I mean, they've got to be upset, though, as well. Like, I feel like, and this is why I brought up Tom Brady, Tom Brady got basically punished for kind of tweaking the football, and they would want to throw the footballs out on the field and say, all right, everybody play with the same football. Oh, no, you tweaked a little bit. But he wasn't, like, scuffing the ball or using pine tar or anything like that. You know, now I'm just wondering what – I don't know. I mean, is this article so new and the information so new that, that we haven't gotten feedback on it? Or what did the pitchers say? Uh, pitchers are pissed. And Justin Verlander is one of the more vocal guys about it. Because he is giving up a lot of home runs as many as well as he's done to manipulate the baseball, create spin and still be able to strike guys out with that baseball. He is still giving up more home runs than he wants. And he understands that it is because of the baseball. He's a guy that's going to go out there and do his research. He understands it's a slicker surface. There's no seams, but he's going to find a way to pitch. He's a competitor. So you make the adjustments. And I don't care if it's using a foreign substance, whatever. I'm not saying Justin Verlander's doing that, but there's ways to figure out how to pitch with this baseball. I think the biggest problem for me and the issue I think I'm starting to have with baseball is, you know as well as I do, if you make a bad pitch, the guy squares it up and it goes 400 feet, you're like, okay, I made a mistake. The dude crushed it and it deserves to be a home run. I think it's where guys are starting to make pitches and it's not necessarily off the sweet spot of the bat. It's off the end of the bat, or you jam a guy, and now you're starting to see more of these home runs sneak into the first row or the first two or three rows of a stadium. Those are the ones that are really pissing these guys off because they actually make a pitch. It should be a routine flyout, but with the dynamic of that baseball, it travels just an extra 10, 12 feet, and it turns into a home run. It sneaks over the fence. That's what's making those guys mad. It's not the home run that they give up that goes 400 feet. It's the one that goes 362 feet that should be a 350-foot pop-out. That's the problem. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I saw Peacock give up that home run to Dickerson uh, last week. That was like an – they. <laughs> I, I, it was probably UNTK, but they're like, oh, gosh, look, he swung late. Like, it was almost like he was trying to go the other way with the pitch. It was an out, you know, the ball was away, but it, was, it looked end of, the, end of the bat, and it went in the first row. And, and honestly, I think I was more of a ground ball pitcher, but I really like to sink the ball, and grabbing that seam helped a ton. And I like to have a good seam on there. So, like I said, four or five of these factors are enough. But to do all five of them, you're really pulling the rug out from under pitchers. The other thing is, I was more of a ground ball pitcher. There are guys that are fly ball pitchers. So that 10 to 12 feet, you tell me 10 to 12 feet. If, you give, if you're mostly kind of a 10, let's see, 27 outs, you give up 10 fly ball outs a game. And a couple of those are, you know, squared up more than the others that's six or seven fly balls that may get out that wouldn't normally have gotten out i mean that's 
that could be three or four or five runs on your ERA when you're a fly ball pitcher. So I, 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 the other issue I have is that they didn't say, hey, they bought Rawlings for one, but they didn't really – I don't know who the consultant was, right? What are they trying to do? I mean, all right, so steroids are gone from the game, but it's not exciting enough, so we're going we're gonna to change the baseball and not tell anybody. I mean, it's funny how this is where offense, defense, special teams are three separate. It's like pitchers and hitters. You know, you look at your hitters, they're like, oh, no, we love this. This is great. I love the baseball. These new baseballs are awesome. You want me to autograph some? That's great. Whereas you got Verlander and Cole and Max Scherzer and, you know, these guys like uh, the baseball sucks. Like, I hate these new baseballs. So even within the clubhouse and within the, the kind of the, the context of the game, you're having this huge split in the and I just think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised by it. I'm shocked by it. And I was unaware. So. Yeah, it it is a little bit shocking, but uh, that's that's some of the explanation about that uh, baseball. And uh, you can go on the athletic and read some of those articles because if you really get in depth, it starts to explain what they're actually doing. So interesting talk about the baseball. It is different and explains a lot of why the baseball is flying around there. Uh, that's what I've got for Blum and Blummer. We're heading into the All Star break, so I just want to send a little bit of a shout out to uh, Alex Bregman, George Springer, and Michael Brantley. They are going to be starting for the uh, American League All-Star team off of the Astros team, which is awesome. Also, Ryan Presley, Garrett Cole, and Justin Verlander going to the All-Star game, deservedly so. Uh, it'll be the first time for Ryan Presley, which is going to be an awesome event for him. Uh, proud of those guys. Proud they're going to be representing the Houston Astros. So I hope everybody enjoys that All-Star weekend. Alex Bregman will be in the Home Run Derby. Uh, did a great job last year hitting 15 home runs before being beat by Kyle Schwarber on one home run. And uh, going into the All-Star break, I'm pretty content with what's going on as far as the Astros are concerned. I think they stretched their lead back out to eight games in the American League West. Uh, but those are just some of the subtle little things going on for the Houston Astros. Um, but I also, unfortunately, you know, want to touch on the Tyler Skaggs issue a little bit just because I knew Tyler when I, in 2012 when I was with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was in big league camp with us. A uh, young man out of Santa Monica, California, passed away the other day at 27 years old, a tragic death of a, of a very good ball player, but a very good person. And I know that you've been reading a lot of articles and seeing a lot of uh, press conferences about Tyler Skaggs. So we just want to, in honor of him, remember him. And I want everybody at home to remember that as much as we glorify these guys on the field and appreciate their feats of excellence on an athletic playing surface like the baseball field, they're still guys. They're still humans, and they still have an impact in their community with family, with friends. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they will be sorely missed. So just remember, every time you're out there cheering a guy on, don't put him too high on that pedestal. And if you're booing a guy, ripping a guy, and, and explaining how awful a baseball player he is, just remember that that is a human being underneath that uniform who uh, – who, who, in this day and age, we just never know. And just uh, remember to hug those around you. And we appreciate Tyler Skaggs. And we just hope that uh, his family's doing all right. And just praying for his family and the Angels of Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Because I can't imagine. I've never been in a situation where I've had a teammate pass away. So I'm sure they're going through some tough times. And I don't know, Tuttle, you being out there in Southern California, um, I'm sure the vibe out there is pretty somber, understanding that they lost a great ball player and a great guy that was in the community out there. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, certainly here, the newspaper uh, has covered it extensively since the event. But uh, I think 
you already touched on the uniform thing. I mean, a lot of us, I mean, obviously you and I wouldn't be having a podcast if baseball and, you know, sports weren't kind of a national pastime where people did put uh, certain athletes on a pedestal and really enjoyed spending their time uh, talking about it and watching these guys. But uh, like you said, when it all comes down to it, we're human beings. And I think the thing that I think about now being a father is just, you know, 27 year olds is really young. So it doesn't really matter what the cause is or how it happened. Or, you know, I remember when Nick Aidenhart got in a car wreck, you know, that guy had a long big league career ahead of him. And that was a super tragic thing down here. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just too young to go. And, uh, I, I just, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a somber feeling, uh, anytime you hear about a young person passing away. So uh, as you already mentioned, you know, take the walls down and just try and hug those around you and, uh, and appreciate every day, which some of the Tuttle quotes of the day have been, uh, referencing that we just got to, uh, I'd appreciate every day we got here because we don't know when it's going to uh, when it's going to end. Yeah, definitely go out there and make the most of it. Uh, that's why we always end our podcast with "Get After It and Believe It" because uh, take advantage of those moments. Uh, life is about moments, and it's about making that moment. And we are going to finish off Bleacher Blums right here with that thought. But being the 4th of July and with all of the scars that America has, we truly appreciate the 4th of July and. We couldn't be here without some of the sacrifices throughout the course of our country's history. And a lot of it had to do on the backs of our military who, is, who have gone overseas and protected our freedom here at home. So happy 4th of July to all veterans and all active military. We are thinking about you. We're praying for your safety because you have given us so much back here on American soil. And I also want to uh, send a shout out. Uh, most of you don't know that my brother is a policeman out in California, so I want to give a shout out to all of the law enforcement personnel out there, all the first responders, those of us that protect us here on our turf here in America. We appreciate you. We love you. We wish the best for you, and we thank you. So happy 4th of July to all first responders and military. Tuttle, I'm going to give you a little bit of the word before we get out of this thing, man. I, I'm all good. I'm glad we got this uh, We got this one in the books. And uh, I always appreciate getting together with you. Happy 4th of July to you and everybody else out there. Keep getting us, getting after us on uh, Twitter. Uh, somebody asked a couple of really good questions this last week. Uh, something about the, you know, the jinxes are for the week. They asked about asking about a no-hitter <laughs> and something else. So anyway, uh, yeah. So at Real David Tuttle. Uh, you can follow Jeff at Blummer27. And um, happy 4th of July, Jeff. I'm super glad that we got this in. Enjoy your uh, your few days off, regardless of how many friends you still have in the game that give you a hard time for taking a couple days off. You'll learn to enjoy it. I'm taking four or five days off myself, and uh, and we'll get back at it in, uh, in a week or two. Yep. Safe travels to you, David Tuttle. Great job on the podcast. Uh, Tuttle's going up north. I will be heading out to Mexico with the family to enjoy a little bit of off time and get this pasty white skin, maybe get a little bit of vitamin D out there and tan it up a little bit. Um, I know I'll never compete to what Todd Callis is bringing to the table as far as skin tone is concerned, but uh, I'll go out there and have some fun. You guys enjoy yourselves on the 4th of July. Be safe out there. Enjoy family, enjoy friends, and enjoy those fireworks for Tuttle because I know he will and always remember we want you to get after it on a daily basis and most of all we want you to believe it 